0: Welcome to The Drummer's Pathway, the podcast about music, life, and the creative process. Hello, I'm Michael Scott, and welcome to The Drummer's Pathway podcast. This episode features my conversation with Boston based drummer Dave DiCenzo. Known for his versatility and his dynamic mastery of the drum set, he began his studies at a young age under the direction of his father, renowned educator Dick DiCenzo. Dave went on to establish a successful career working as a sideman for a variety of artists in many different genres, in addition to focusing on his own musical projects. Dave is a highly regarded educator and has been on faculty at the prestigious Berklee College of Music for the last 30 years. He is also the author of three highly regarded books, with the most recent being Fluid Fills and Musical Phrasing. In our conversation, we talk about his personal journey through the different phases of his career. We also discuss the joys and challenges of finding artistic satisfaction as a sideman, and why he has chosen to focus on education at this stage of his career. And now, my conversation with Dave DeSenzo. I first had the opportunity to see you perform back in 2018 at the Ralph Angelilo Drum Festival in Quebec City. And at that time, I was blown away by your incredible performance, which showcased your passion and your dynamic mastery of the drum set, and also included a little impromptu vocal performance, which energized the whole room. So looking back for people that may not know your background, where did your journey as a drummer first start for you? Because I know you began at a young age and your father, Dick DeCenzo was a highly respected educator. And I'm quite sure he had a huge influence on your early development of taking up this instrument.
1: He sure did. He sure did. Um, Well, Michael, my journey starts really in the early 70s listening to the radio listening to FM radio um, that's what affected me um, the most and uh, you know I say the most because I was you know uh, privy to uh, to jazz music my dad was playing jazz records in the house and um, and my brothers had records you know that weren't necessarily consisting of music that i heard on the radio but it was the music that i heard on the radio that i migrated to the strongest and i was i was it was it was about the songs it was about the melodies in particular and the sounds that's i think in hindsight what appealed to me it wasn't the drums It wasn't even the lyrics, it was just the sound of the music, and in particular, the melodies. And so I came into it from that perspective as a young person, very young, and at the same time, for whatever, probably because my dad was uh, a drummer and a teacher, and my oldest brother, John, was a drummer he was six years older than me he is six years older than me and he was really good and so i had my dad who would teach in the house in the basement on saturdays and i think even some weeknights in fact i know some weeknights as well and my brother john who was you know playing in the basement as well in that same drum studio and so that was that that affected me very strongly as well um so i kind of came at it from both of those angles the radio and then having drums under the roof of the house that i was growing in and growing up in and and uh and playing i mean i i was able to like there are pictures of me on the drums at 18 months old you know trying to play so i think that's yeah that's a fair description of where it started um, and i and i got into lessons pretty young uh as well i was 5 years old and i wanted the lessons and i was playing along to 40 my 45 records and just having the time of my life even even at that age maybe maybe a little older when i really started to be able to play along to records it was just so 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 much fun and it was Conversely, not that much fun for me at that very young age to take lessons, mm-hmm. even though I wanted them. Uh, even though I had a great teacher too, my dad is like, you know, such he was such a great teacher. So that's my that's where I
0: how I came to music. Well, and one of the things that people often forget, you know, with me being a teacher as well too, that it has had the opportunity to teach a lot of young students is that we're further along in our journey and we have forgotten that at the beginning of their journey, we just wanted to play. We didn't necessarily want to learn, but later on, we start to find joy in the learning process. So as a teacher, one of the things that we often tend to find now is that when we're teaching people that are early in their journey, and I don't necessarily mean just young people, age you know it could be someone who's picking this up later on in life but they're early in their journey that we get excited about the process and forget about the joy of the play and i think that's one of the things that we often need to do is that we need to reflect back as to what brought us joy to this in the first place because if we're learning and we forget why we wanted to do this we lose the passion. And and you at a young age wanted the lessons. You had a fantastic teacher through your father, but you didn't really want the process that went along with the lessons. And then later on, you actually stopped playing and switched to the guitar. And that became your primary focus for about five years. I think you took up the guitar around the age of 10. So from 10 to 15, You weren't a drummer anymore. You became a guitar player. So what inspired that change? But then what brought you back to the drums at that point? I think the short, simple answer is
1: I loved both instruments, but I was just better. I knew that I had more of a natural ability to to play the drums. At least that's what I felt. And And I think that stands to this day. I still play guitar um a lot actually and uh and i i have yeah i i just had more natural ability to play the drums I, I i think that's actually in hindsight i i'd say i i would say that's still the case that's how i see it is i had more natural ability i felt it back then and um i don't know michael i think it just came down to like you know we like we we like to do things that we're good at it, mm-hmm. especially if it's something that interests us and we're good at it you know if it's something that interests you and you're good at it man like that's like hitting the jackpot and i felt like i had that more with drumming and uh that's the that's the route i took you know i was always pretty good at uh football i had a just a natural inclination to play football conversely i was not naturally good at basketball and you know when i was playing sports it was football it was hardly ever did i play basketball because i i just didn't have it and i never had the desire to get to really work it so i think that's pretty much what what took me back to drumming and and i figured i was probably thinking somewhat uh you know from a uh, a practical standpoint um thinking like i have i'm gonna have to make a living doing something i'm 15 years old you know What am I going to do? I can only imagine some of those thoughts were floating in my head, and I figured my best foot forward would probably be to go with my, my my strength. I was definitely better at drumming than anything else in my life.
0: Now, when you came back to drumming around the age of 15, did you go back to studying with your father at that time?
1: I did, and it was a totally different experience. I was ready now. And it was, it was great.
0: What were some of the most profound lessons that you got from your father? Whether it doesn't necessarily need to be a technical aspect, but just in terms of what things did he teach you that just kind of inspired you to keep pushing forward and kind of take things to a the higher level?
1: First of all, I don't think I needed much. I was so into it. You know, like my fuse was lit for sure. And, uh, you know, he was, my dad at that point was mostly giving me lessons that were going to help me be a well-rounded drummer. And, And so just that, that in and of itself, I think was an important lesson at that point for me because I may have been inclined to just go with what I was interested in. I wasn't necessarily interested in jazz, but he had me working on, my ride cymbal beat and um and coordination underneath that and he had me working on other things like you know my reading for example just understand like that was one of the biggest barriers when i was a little boy taking lessons was i did not understand the theory and i wasn't that i wasn't interested in in trying to understand the theory and um that, that changed by the time I was later studying with him. That changed, and, and uh, so that was a big influence. Just, you know, if nothing else, giving me the, the, the idea and ways to develop the idea of becoming a versatile
0: drummer. So that was a big thing. The skills that you learned at that time, even if they were outside of your interests definitely played a role later on in your career when you started to pursue a career as a sideman. But before we get into that, the earlier stages of your career, you were passionate about being in a band. You wanted to be a band member. And a lot of the genres you were playing at that time tended to be hard rock, metal things and more of that genre. And you were determined that that was the path that you wanted to follow. When most people are starting out as a musician, that is kind of the dream. Everyone kind of looks at it, and the dream is, I want to be in the band, I want to get that success, (laughs) I want all of the accolades and the benefits that come with that. And you worked really hard at that time playing with many different bands in that genre, trying to find that success, which you ended up not really finding what you were looking for, and then eventually made a shift from being in a band into becoming a sideman but starting out what were the things that you were really seeking in the first stage when you were looking to be a band member
1: um a a, a brother slash sisterhood is that feeling of being on a on a team uh being part of something bigger than myself um contributing um uh, contributing um i've always had a lot of ideas in terms of melodies and even even l- lyrics to a lesser much lesser degree but it, later like more recently in my life i've become adept with lyrics as well and have had ideas and Uh, But back then it was, it was really, um, I just heard music in my head and I, you know, music that was original to my, you know, to my knowing. Um, And, uh, and I wanted to, I wanted an outlet for that. I didn't want to contribute exclusively from a, a drumming standpoint. And I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, travel i wanted to see the world with with this with this you know air quotes for you in podcast land (laughs) this band of brothers as it were that was the appeal this was the appeal for me you know i was i was i was into athletics when i was a kid and i loved the idea of of a team but you know what here's something even more poignant i think is I was a family member i was a part of a family i had two brothers and two parents and and i and i learned and experienced that that feeling of being part of a team you know in a in in this way in a familial way and i loved that you know i loved that feeling i loved the feeling of you know and holidays you know being with the family and and then extended family even feel that that tribal feeling and i think that was certainly part of what i was looking for as well in in finding some people that i could walk off into the sunset with and have a you know a a multi decade successful recording and touring career
0: well and one of the problems that often occurs in these situations is that everyone has the common vision of the end of the road but everyone has a different map on how they think they're going to get there. And that's one of the things that generally right, causes right. issues with bands is that they start to realize, although they all want the same thing, they all have a different understanding as to what it takes to get yeah. those situations. In some cases, it's we need to rehearse five days a week. And in other cases, it's we need to stop rehearsing and try and get work and get opportunities. And and it's really hard to take a whole bunch of people with this collective vision to achieve success and all make it work when everyone has a different view as to what that actually means. And so it's it's a very common struggle that many of us have gone through at different stages in our careers. Undoubtedly. At that point, you made the switch into becoming a sideman man. For a number of artists with different sort of a diverse background what made you choose to, to stop the path of the being the band member and to find some satisfaction being a sideman or a hired gun really m- money you know just having to
1: make a living and not wanting to work outside of music that was really it was as simple as that really you know i couldn't make i couldn't even keep a band together never mind make money in an original band you know any kind of money to that would would support uh you know a a a decent quality of life so that was it And, and you know i tried i tried and failed a couple few times you know and and i wouldn't be I'd being I'd be dishonest if I if I said there wasn't any appeal to the idea of becoming a sideman there was some appeal to that actually it was it was not my my dream it was not my original idea but there there was an appeal to the idea and there definitely was an appeal to the reality of becoming a sideman um, for several years i was really enjoying that there were things i didn't like about it there were experiences that i had that i didn't like but man i had a lot of fun i learned a lot and 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 i gained confidence you know when you bounce from scenario to scenario and you please people it gives you confidence Mm -hmm. and that was a good feeling of of uh but it also led to sort of a, um, sort of a selfish, uh, self-indulgent kind of inner activity on my part where it's like it can become too, too much about you. And it's like you show up to a situation and you just want to please and you want to please and you want to please and I don't know. There are other people involved too. And it's, it's um without going deep into it, I don't know that I could go deep into it right now. It's, it's, it's challenging, man. It's like, you know, human, human interaction. When there's a, when there's a, an end result goal in mind, you know, it's, it, it can be dicey. It can be really great. It can be not so great. And, um uh, but overall, I uh, there was a there was a lot of uh a lot of good good times that I had, good
0: memories that I have. Well, and one of the challenges when you're kind of facing a freelance or a sideman career is you can find some success in the opportunities that you have, but sometimes the thing that's missing is you because you're there to play a role and you can fulfill that role. At, at a really exceptionally high level, but sometimes that role isn't reflective of who you are as an artist. it's Amen. and so it's completely interchangeable. So you can take 10 different people and that can all play the same role and all of those personalities then it, it doesn't matter anymore who you are because everything is dictated to you and some people can find some joy and satisfaction in those experiences and some people, cannot and they need to get out of those situations and in other side man situations it is about you you're brought in to do a job because of what you have to offer not just a skill set and that's one of the struggles that many people in this industry go through is trying to find that balance of artistic satisfaction but also a level of success and and I know that there's probably many situations where it was about you and what you had to offer to these opportunities, and then at other times you were, in essence, playing the role that was required, and that that can be that can be an issue. Yeah, it can be an issue either way. Like,
1: well, no, I, I guess yeah. When you when you're bringing more of yourself to the situation, it's it's more gratifying, generally speaking, for sure. You just you're reminding me of the fact that I've experienced more than once um, being in scenarios where I'm a side man and I'm coming into a situation and people know me and people know they have a perception of what I do and and uh, more than once I I recall people asking me to do things um, that they know I could do but not necessarily that I thought I should do in that in that mm-hmm. particular context but more to your point it's a it's a delicate yeah it's a delicate dance sometimes that you have to do in expressing yourself and fitting in at the same time most of the time in most of my i should say most of the time in my career i've been able to bring myself to the situation but no matter how much you can bring yourself to a situation as a drummer if you're not the composer or you're not you have no hand in composing the music that you're playing you're always i don't want to say limited but for lack of a better word you're, you're limited by that scenario i suppose once the song is written even if you did write it you you, the, you know it's like you're limited in yeah. some way right to the to the to the re-rendering of Mm -hmm. the story over and over and uh and that's that's part of our reality and and you know yeah man that's just the way it is it's like we're storytellers and if people want to hear our stories uh repeatedly we've got to you know we've got to tell them repeatedly and we've got to find ways to enjoy that process and uh it's just interesting i i guess we're, we're we're blurring the lines a little bit it's like you could be the composer and still when you have to r- render that 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 song again there's an element of of um where you there's an element there's an aspect of limitation there's a component of limitation but in that limitation you can find a world of freedom and 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 on any given night or any given performance you know the
0: it could be the most amazing experience or, or it could be less than that i know for me some of the situations that i have been involved in the joy that i got out of the experience was being able to replicate exactly what the artist assigned me to do and to me, that was the challenge. That was the joy. You know, yeah, here's yeah. here's my vision. I just need you to do it better than I was able to do it on the demo. But what I have on the demo is what I want you to do. And for me, that's I, I find joy out of that. Yes. The flip side of that is that sometimes the same artist will also send you something and say, I have an idea, but I don't have a vision for your part. So please be you because now I need your input and I think when you have that balance of being able to provide the service and bringing their vision to life in their own way that makes you a valuable commodity but also being able to take their vision and take it in a direction that they have not yet realized is also something that I think is essential. And I think it's the joy is really kind of in between those two scenarios. Yeah. And at the,
1: at the end of the day, it's it's certainly not a terrible way to make a living, you know, like do, doing those kinds of dances on a daily basis. um, You know, and I, and I agree with what you said. And it reminds me of a record that I most recently played on the most recent record I played on. There was a demo, so this was a a scenario where I'm not in the studio with the band. Mm -hmm. And I've got demos, and I'm cutting tracks by myself to a click and whatever tracks they've provided me. And um, in this particular case, there were drums on the demo and some of the what this this person i assume it was a uh, i don't know i don't know what who it was but this drummer had some really i thought really musical parts making like he was he was he was creating musical parts that that resonated with me and uh and i was being encouraged by the producer and the songwriters to like you know just be you man just do like you know give us you in in, and 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 uh you know don't don't listen to don't you know don't listen to what's on the demos. just do and i'm like all right man you know like that that's cool but as i'm listening i'm like this cat is yes there are things that i i see why they don't want these as keeper drum takes but but there was some really good shit happening there Mm -hmm. and i copped some of it in terms of just like contouring the song based on the parts like you know and outright copped some of the the stuff that was on the demo and and frankly I was happy to I was happy to have those 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 things from that demo the drummer who played on the demo <laughs> you know so it's like in that sense I'm bringing the drummer of the demo into my part and in that, then, in a sense, not being me because I'm I'm copying something, and and in that instance of that actually being a cool
0: thing, I might not have thought of that. I might not have thought of what that drummer thought of. I I got sent a track uh, a little while back by a, a songwriter and engineer that I have worked with, and they had and when when I listened to it, they were they had already added a drum part to that and i said to them am i replicating what you've done or am i creating something new because what you what you did was cool and the response was i kind of like what we have i just want you to hit harder than i can and make it sound good i'm like perfect so then at that and i i altered a few little things just to kind of edit some things together and it turned out really well but Sometimes sitting down in a recording situation with the blank canvas where you don't really know what it is you're supposed to do is not artistically satisfying. Sometimes it's more artistically satisfying to sit down and go, I know exactly what my role is. I know exactly what flexibility that I have, but now it's not about me. It's about the music and the song. I've often said if I listen back to a track that I do and I hear me on it, then I'm not happy with the job that I did. Yeah if I listen enough. back to if I listen back to the track and I hear the song, not me, then I know that I played the role that I was supposed to play and I didn't get in my own way. Okay, well, let me just sort of throw something
1: back at you. In either scenario the the goal is to prioritize the song, correct, not the self so so in either scenario so in other words it doesn't matter whether it's something that you're required to be creative on the spot or you're required to just do what you're hearing but better either either scenario the focus is still like let's make this song the best it can be fair enough 100 percent. yes okay and then in terms of um bringing oh what was my next point what was my next point so we we agree that the priority is the song i guess i i would i would just say that ultimately the mo the more rewarding experience i think for me would be to be required to create mm-hmm. and not mimic what you're hearing uh but just doing it better um but Well, I I would say part of the reason is because it's, well, no, no. Part of the reason it's appealing to not do that is because it's a little easier, right? It's a little easier to hear something that's working that you just know you need to do it better.
0: Yes. Right. And I think part of my comment earlier about not wanting to hear myself on it is that sometimes ah, I'm, yes, I'm, yes. I'm very self-critical of my own work and at times yes. if I listen back to something and I hear me then it's usually because I've done something that's gotten in my way of what I was trying to do to enhance the music so that's right. why I generally find I like if I listen back to it and I hear everything as one big picture then I know I did the job that I was aiming to create
1: okay i'm so glad you brought that back because i kind of lost sight of that that i was wanting to get to that is what i wanted to say is like in a sense i do want to hear me too it depends on how you're framing in our in your own mind those words like do do i want to hear me or do i want do i not want to hear me um and i totally understand like it's like you kind of want to be invisible in the sense that you're just you've you've merged so deeply with the music that you're just part of the whole and there's no truly like you know marking your your fingerprint but but at the same time there is that like the appeal of recognizing a fingerprint making a an imprint that is like whoa that's That's Michael Scott, or that's Jim Keltner, or that's Levon Helm.
0: I I once had a conversation with a student who was sort of struggling, uh, because they were recording some stuff with a a band, and then they were being, once again, very sort of self-critical. And so the problem often is that you generally hear the things that you don't think went well, and you stop hearing the things that you did well. And it's really important to be able to appreciate the things that you've done well, because there's more of that than the things that you didn't do. So one of the things that I challenged him to do was listen to some records of some musicians that you love. Now listen to that record and put yourself on that record. And the things that you hear that your heroes have done that you think are cool If you now hear yourself as the person on that record would suddenly the things that you thought were cool and hip are the things that you now consider to be mistakes because the things that are hip and they're playing at that time are often the things that they may have considered a mistake at that point. It's really just about sort of capturing that performance. So sometimes what I want people to do is listen to different situations and open up your mind because it's really about how something feels. It's not about the perfection of everything. And I have found for me, I've done that sometimes where I'll take some tracks of some of my favorite drummers and I'll hear little things that they do that are quirky that at the time, if I was recording that, I would say that's a mistake. I need to fix that. But now looking back, I realize that that's, their fingerprint that's what makes them who they are and it's important to accept that that's part of your creative development the world Mm -hmm. isn't perfect but the most important thing is to be passionate about the things that you do Mm. And, and and to not necessarily strive for perfection certainly
1: not strive for perfection so hard that you you we could strive for perfection so hard that we miss the point entirely of what it means to be an artist and i feel like i have some experience in that you know like i speak from experience when i was younger striving for perfection so hard so yeah michael i i uh duly noted and, and well said it's a wonderful and fine line it's a wonderful like challenge and a fine line like you know both merging ourselves and and emerging and i with an identifiable voice in 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 art and uh in in our chosen art form being music it's i it's something i know i will go to my grave um chasing
0: Mm -hmm. you know uh and i'm happy to happy to be on the hunt now, you are a renowned educator that has been teaching at the Berkeley College of Music since 1994. So you've been there now going on about 30 years. Yeah. And you have had, you know, hundreds of students over that time. Now, looking back over the time that you have been there, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see students coming to you with? Whether it be... A technical challenge or just kind of having to look at sort of a mindset, big picture challenge. Because one of the things that I have heard you state before is that the biggest barriers to learning in almost any craft is not always the technical aspect of things. It's the mental and the physical aspects that we need to embrace, acknowledge and overcome. So as a teacher, what are some of the things that you've observed and what are some of those biggest challenges that you um, helped students overcome? Well, I would I would say, you know, where I teach a, I teach
1: adults. It's very rare that I have someone who's under 18 or 19 or tw- even 20 years old that I'm teaching. So while there are physical limitations in these students as we all You know have physical limitations um you know most of us anyway most of us mortals have physical limitation but by the time you're 20 years old you've hopefully you've um addressed and 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 neutralized some of those if not a lot of those physical limitations and now you're ready for more m- mentally oriented challenges. And you know, man, that's where I come in like with, with a college student, like I can help students so much with that because I have not only so much experience in my own mental challenges, but, but recognizing them. You gotta recognize your challenges and then you gotta find answers, whether you seek help Outside of yourself to find answers, or you look within, or both, which I've done. Uh, you you have to find solutions. Us, dr- you know, us musicians we're, we're so if we've been bitten and been called, you know, to 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 be musicians, we we um we have no problem, you know, putting time and money into becoming the best musician that we can be. But part of becoming the best musician that you can be is to become the best version of yourself, the best human version of yourself that you can be. Which means you need to look at, you need to look beyond the technique, you need to look literally beyond the instrument to 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 arrive at that, that destination where you are the best, metaphysical version of yourself that you could be. Um, And so when you're 20 years old, like when I was 20 years old, first of all, I didn't know what I just said. I didn't know Mm -hmm. that to be truth. And I certainly didn't know how to pursue it because I didn't know there was something to pursue. And I didn't have anybody knocking on my door saying, hey, Dave, check this out, you're missing this entire piece. My going coming back to my dad. My dad alluded to it though. My dad, in my life as his son, as his son, but also his student, he alluded to the importance of, especially as his son, the importance of nourishing the mind, body, and the spirit. And I used to say, "Yeah, Dad. Yeah, you know, I get it," uh, but I didn't get it. I didn't. I didn't really get the spirit part of it, especially. And I didn't even get the mind part of it because I didn't understand the ego yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when he said mind, I thought he meant intellect and and knowledge, you know, nourishing the mind. But nourishing the mind means recognizing that you have an ego in your mind and you need to address that. Um, because if you don't, if you're like most m- mortals, you, the the ego will derail you. It will certainly hamstring you um if not derail you and uh you know i i didn't get that um at that point so this is again this is where i can come into a 20 year old kid and and say check this out this was stuff i i'm going to give you things i didn't even figure out for another five to ten years from your life now from your age now i'm giving this to you right now and uh and it, it, can you help reel me back in we're talking about oh the mindset challenge the mental challenge challenge. Yeah. yeah the mindset challenge yeah if you don't if you don't come to that junction at some point in your journey you will i would say in many cases or many ways you will stop evolving as a musician as an artist as someone who can freely and completely uh give themselves to the music
0: and thus the the people who listen to their music you'll run into a wall one of the lessons that i had to learn was in my earlier days i i kind of had my own voice my own fingerprint in terms of how i was as a as a player and that used to bring me a lot of joy Mm. then my passion became education And I've spent over the last probably 10 to 15 years as a student, I've done more studying and more growing than I had in the previous 30. But one of the things that I had lost through that was my fingerprint and my identity because I got so excited and so caught up in the (laughs) wealth of information that was available to me that I actually needed to come back To the 15 year old me that would sit behind my drums and just play music and not be concerned about perfection. And now I'm coming back to finding joy by being myself with an increased level of confidence because of the tools and the skill sets that I have learned from being such a dedicated student. But you can get so lost in the need to master the tools that you need to be reminded to come back and be an artist. And that's something that I know that I personally struggled with, that I'm now starting to get much more comfortable embracing the fact that I have developed my own unique voice. And that is a skill set that I have to offer, but you can get lost in that way. I often tell students that sometimes the best way to develop is to shut off everything in your music room, go out for a walk, have a conversation with your spouse or your friend about something that's completely unrelated to yeah, what it yeah, is that you're yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. do. Because when you come back, you're energized. You should never be so dedicated that by the time you get to the end of your practice session, you are exhausted. And the last thing you want to do is continue again. You should always want to end your practice session by wanting to come back again the next day. But that's something you need to learn the life balance. And I I think that's something that I know I've heard you kind of talk about at this stage of your career, that you're starting to learn now about the joy of really trying to find the balance of your career, the balance of you being an educator, and also the balance of you spending time with your son, your family, and just embracing the other joys of life, which will all come down and inspire you as an artist. So can you talk a little bit about that and the really the challenges in terms of trying to find that that life balance man okay i read
1: something recently that wayne shorter said on this in this topic on this topic Uh, same same thing it's like how are you going to relate to people if you can't relate to people like how are you going to relate to people who live a different life than you do if you if your life is so different that that you can't talk about the same things you can't talk from experience about what they're what they're what they're experiencing um you you also made me think of of um oh there was something else In, in any case this is Oh yeah, you made me think of, uh, I read a while back about um, this trend, this, cor- this trend in corporate America where, you know, CEOs were, were requiring their employees to leave the building, you know, like they called it blue sky time, like get get out of here. I know that you're gonna give me more of what I need if you get the heck out of here mm-hmm. and stop thinking about what you think I need. <laughs> and uh so we can we can we can you know employ that for ourselves, that kind of philosophy. And um, and I have, and and uh I'm I'm so grateful, man, you know, because like you know, drums and music, music is so intoxicating and it's so such an abyss, like you could just dive forever and ever and ever into it, but at some point you're going to get diminishing returns, and and that those diminishing returns will will come from that sort of uh, myopic approach to it, and 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 losing or or never gaining perspective perspective that's so vital in us becoming complete artists or more complete artists as we grow evolving artists so there's sort of two aspects there's there's this is like this aspect of just variety is the spice of life and then there's also the other aspects of empathy it's hard to have empathy if you don't have experience um well uh, i guess that could that point could be argued because you could not experience something and still have a ton of empathy so so I'll, i'll 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 take that back and think on that but we're talking about a pretty deep subject
0: here what we originally started talking about was the importance of embracing outside things in order to increase the passion of yes. your artistic journey, because you can so, get you can get burdened down by yeah, not embracing the other e- exactly. outside
1: elements. So it's kind of like if you if you think of that, draw a metaphor, parallel to sort of a physical training. Like you've got to you've got to let your muscles um, uh, re- rehabilitate; they've got to recuperate before you go working them again. At some point, you're going to get diminishing returns if you keep just working those muscles. Cause you think, well, if, Hey, if, if, if five minutes is good, then, then 50 minutes is better. You're going to get diminishing returns. So, um, not to mention, it's just as wonderful as music is. There are other wonderful things in life that, that are worthy of your, your time and your, your investment, your emotional investment. Um, and uh and 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 it just so happens by doing that it will feed your artistry and so you know yeah i i i i let that philosophy lead my life at some point starting some years ago where i became less of the mindset of of you know music at all costs relationships be damned, uh, you know, variety of life, uh, variety of the spice of life be damned, uh, uh you know, you know, put the blinders on and run the race and, and there, you know, ultimately, yeah. In the long run. No, that's not the, that's not the route. That's not the route
0: in the short term. You might sure sure might seem like it is. Yeah. I had a conversation with my wife recently and one of the things that I had said was sometimes I used to feel guilty about always wanting to come down to the practice room because I wanted to spend time with her. And so I was struggling with the desire to practice and the desire to spend time with my partner. And one of the things that I realized is that when you both have different interests, you need to invest the time to pursue your own interests so that the time that you spend together is more fulfilling because you're both focused and inspired and passionate about sharing the different experiences. Whereas sometimes when you're just in a situation where you're spending time because you think you need to spend time, but you're not embracing and encouraging each other to pursue the things that are essential to your personal development, Mm. that creates an issue. And that's something that I know that I had sort of struggled with before was understanding that it's important for me to be the musician that I am and to take a half hour in my day to go and play my drums. You know, the flip side of that is that sometimes when I've gotten caught up where I'm overwhelmed and I don't want to deal with different things going on, my wife has said to me, go downstairs sit behind your drums and play your drums for 20 minutes and then come back up and when i do that i come back i'm enriched i'm fulfilled i've reconnected with my passion and it makes the dynamic that i have with my wife or whoever else that i'm interacting with whether they be friends or family members much more joyful so you have to include both elements and you can't exclude you know the relationships from the the pursuit of art or the pursuit of art taken away from the relationships and so it's it's one of those things that is sometimes a hard lesson to learn but when you understand that balance it just makes life much more joyful couldn't agree
1: more um i will say uh that that can be harder to do early in your career earlier in your career or early in your career because and i and i uh have experienced that i you know i speak from experience it was it, it was hard to maintain a relationship earlier in my career because i was just saying yes to everything and i was still practicing a lot and you know i was just really really busy and i was still learning a lot so there's that but hopefully you get to a place and maybe you can start right out of the gate maybe you can be a 20 year old musician who's you know trying to make a career for him or herself and be in a relationship obviously people do it you know i struggled with that um and i think that's common and i think it's okay you know it's like you're you're you really there's so much to to it to 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 pay attention to and get good at to become a great musician, become a great musician, man. It's, a, it's you know, no disrespect to people to a mailman or mail carrier, for example, but it's you know, it takes a lot more time to become a great musician than it does to become a great mail carrier. You know, so um, the other thing that comes to mind on this topic is just the, 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 the feel that you know, the memory of the feeling and still, it still happens to this day. So my wife works part-time out outside the home. And on a day where she comes home at say like five o'clock she pulls in the driveway and I've had a good day, like for myself, I can't wait for her to get out of the car. And like come in the house. I'm just so happy to. See. I'm always fortunately. I'm glad to say. I'm always happy and grateful uh, when my my wonderful wife pulls into the driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, but on those days where I've like had a fortifying day for myself, it's just it's it's magical. It's like and same same can go for when I've had a terrible day for myself. There's some there's some joy and solace in in seeing my loved one as well but on those days when you've like had that self-fortifying day and your 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 love comes home it's like oh and your son comes home (laughs) it's it's just it's it's
0: that I think those are the best of times you know perhaps uh, certainly among them also as an educator you, over the years you have released three acclaimed books one being uh, universal rhythms for drum set the second being rhythmic drumming uh, rhythm and drumming demystified and the most recent follow up was fluid fills and musical phrasing without getting into a really huge long conversation in terms of what all the different elements of of these books are about what conceptually inspired you to put these books together i was just trying to say what i was teaching you know i was
1: trying to say i was trying to to speak and teach on topics that i was very familiar with um in terms of what i needed to learn what helped me so much in my process my evolution as a student as a professional and and um and what i was teaching you know when you're talking about it on a regular basis when you're talking about your philosophies and your approaches and your systems on a regular basis the the ideas crystallize you know the formulas crystallize and and i just felt like um my ideas were first of all good enough second of all unique enough to to publish to 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 organize into a cohesive, you know, to a
0: book format and and publish. Now with these methods, is there an intended order that you usually recommend the students to go through? It was unintended,
1: as, but yes, there it's intended now, but when they came out, it was all backwards because universal rhythms for drum set I published first. That would be the last of the, in the trilogy, if you will, pardon the, the dramatic term, but, If we look at it as a trilogy, Universal Rhythms is last. The second book that I wrote was Rhythm and Drumming Demystified. That would be first in the trilogy, and the last book that I wrote would be the second. So if you're listening, listeners, uh, well, of course you're listening, because you're listeners. First is Rhythm and Drumming Demystified. If you get one of my books and you want to start at the beginning of my pedagogy, Rhythm and Drumming Demystified, then Fluid Fills and Musical Phrasing, than universal rhythms. And what separates the three, what differentiates the three, is the context. The material, the raw material that you're working with in each one of the, these books gets progressively advanced, and that's what differentiates the books. Because the tools that I'm using in the books are the same. When I say tools, I mean the tools that you would use to to cultivate and 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 work with the material in the book. Those are the same throughout the books.
0: Now, with some of these concepts were they partially inspired by things that you felt with your students coming to you that were missing in their own development and you just wanted to kind of really give them a method to kind of focus them and get them over some of these situations
1: absolutely absolutely missing in terms of what i knew for what was out there you know it, it my books while they you could draw parallels to the new breed it's, it's very different. What I'm offering is very different. And other books, like, uh, you know, what people have done with, with Ted Reed's Syncopation, you could say, oh, well, you're, there are some parallels there, and I'd say, absolutely. But if you use the rhythmic context of my books, it's much more global, worldly, much more versatile rhythmically than what's offered in a book like Syncopation. Um same with the new breed you know it's it's what i'm offering contextually is is vastly larger than what is offered in these other publications that i'm talk that i've referenced the other thing is which you which you alluded to is yes it's 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 definitely coming from student demand like people coming to me and say, I want to work on this I want to be better at this, namely being time and and um uh, phrasing and flow um rudimental application, you know, I don't I the way I look at it is I don't apply rudiments to the drum set so much as I apply rudiment types mm-hmm. Now granted, there will be direct rudimental you could draw direct parallels you could look at a, a, a you know a, a, a youtube video of me and and maybe i'm doing a, a an open solo and you could say oh he just played a that rudiment and and i would say yep you're right that rudiment was used like a word that i would use in the context of telling a story I did not focus on that rudiment. I did not focus on that word. That word came out because I'm focusing on an idea and I'm telling a story and I'm using words to tell that story.
0: Well, and the idea is that you sometimes learn rudiments or figures to learn vocabulary so that when you're having a conversation by performing as a musician, you're not playing the letters you are forming sentences and that is one of the things that often people get challenged with is because they'll learn the letter and then they have to play the letter but they're not actually saying something because they haven't formulated the word
1: so to me the distinction
0: the
1: the the crucially important distinction is what you just said the the rudiment versus the the figure We use rudiments to interpret figures. We're all all musicians are interpreting rhythm. We're all interpreting rhythm. All melodies are hung on the construct of a rhythm. So I differentiate very clearly between speaking rudimentally and speaking rhythmically. And you could listen to a drummer like Philly Joe Jones and say, oh my God, listen to all those rudiments that he's like blatantly expressing and i would say absolutely but listen deeper and you'll hear the rhythm that philly joe is is expressing and the rhythmic language is the universal language the drumming language is a means to an end it is not the end so yes learn your your learn your language on your instrument but understand that that's a means to an end, and the end is the rhythmic language. As far as I know it, at this point in my life, that's what I have to offer. <laughs> you know, twenty years from now, maybe I'll have a different slant on it, but that seems pretty solid to me at this point.
0: Now, at this phase of your career, you as a, you're focusing on the education aspect, and you also have your own projects that you're that you've been doing. One of them is also. Um, a long-in-the-works solo album of which you mm. are, you know, songwriter, you're the singer, you're do, You're playing a lot of the different instruments as well. So what are the things these days that you are most passionate about? The thing I am
1: most passionate about at this very moment, if you will, of my life is outside, professionally speaking, is teaching and rehabilitating my body i've hurt my body in very profound ways over the years playing music and um and i'm i'm committed right now to healing and rehabilitating my body as much as i can at the expense at this moment of creating and making music i'm not making music right now and i haven't been for a good couple of years and um that is not because i'm not passionate about it uh i'm so passionate about it i i I, champ at the bit to get to that place but i'm not there right now i've chosen to refocus and and uh, prioritize what i like to refer as the instrument that plays the instrument so i'm prioritizing me um and i'm getting help uh through chiropractic as well as uh, active release techniques as well which as well as my own personal um regiment that i'm on uh daily slash weekly regimen that I'm on to healing myself and re-addressing my technique and re-looking at some of the things that I've done technically or am doing technically that are not in my best interest and burning new neural pathways and, and, you know, getting new habits ingrained and i can't i I just can't do all of that at this point michael and be an active performing artist and a teacher i just can't do it all um and so i'm i've chosen not to and my aim is to get back to more
0: creative endeavors Mm -hmm. as soon as possible but right now that's where i'm at but even though you made this choice to kind of step back from certain situations, it's very obvious to me that you're passionate about the process to get you back there again. Whereas I think too many times people look at their limitations or physical challenges and they ignore them over the choice of really looking at their artistic path. And really we're going to be artists for the duration of our lives and in order to really extend our capabilities, we sometimes need to step back and take care of our mind, take care of our, our body, and just find that sort of healthy balance in order to reignite that creative spark and to take us even further than we can imagine. So so I, uh, I, I greatly admire the choices that you make, and I am really exceptionally looking forward to the rewards that are gonna come to you because of these choices that you have made. Now, as we get close to kind of winding down here, um, as an educator, what are some of the biggest pieces of advice that you would offer your students when it comes to just following their own path or sort of just trying to figure out what it is that they're supposed to do based on your own experiences? The first thing that comes to mind
1: is well and we've kind of we've kind of you know talked around this subject earlier in 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 this discussion and that is um don't mistake what you do for who you are i suppose the way we could say it don't mistake what you do for who you are and that's a slippery slope because in 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 some ways like what you do is who you are but in but 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 I would encourage students to 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 not look at it that way. Like, yes, what you do. So just remember to be a a, a person, a human, in addition to being an artist. Recognize yourself as an artist. Having said that, you know you're. you're look at yourself. If, if you've been called to do this and you're you know you're doing it and you're investing time and energy and money look at yourself as an artist you're not merely a technician you're not merely a musician and when i say merely i don't mean that in a condescending way to the term musician to be a musician is a is a is a is i don't want to say a noble thing because to me what's noble is answering the call having the the wherewithal and the the courage to to answer the call of who you're who you are mm-hmm. if you're if you're if who you are is a male carrier and that's part of who you are frickin' then you are doing the right thing in life and and uh and I I'm all for that but ultimately what you do is it, 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 it's a it's um what you do speaks to who you are um but but who you are is much more than that so figure that out you know think about that figure that out and um yeah i guess i guess i'll i'll offer that so yeah don't try to try to create some some separation from what you do and and who you are and and cultivate um self-respect and self-love I'll, I'll 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 leave it at that that is one of the things we most i think as a human race we most lack in is self-respect and self-love and when you lack in that it's hard to give it outwardly it's hard to put it out there you got it you got to feel it for yourself and some people will only put it out there and they won't give it to themselves And so no matter how much love you put out there into the world, if you don't have it for yourself, your love is compromised that you put out into the world. It's not as powerful and beneficial as it could be because it's not aimed inwardly. It's only aimed outwardly.
0: I think that's beautifully stated. And I think that's a fantastic place to end. Dave, it has been an absolute pleasure to connect with you and have this conversation today. I have every intention, um, in the new year of reaching out to you because I would like to actually connect with you for a lesson at some point. And in the meantime, I wish you all the best in your continued journey. And I'm looking forward to connecting again.
1: Michael, I enjoyed this so much. I really did, man. Um, I thank you for the invitation. I uh, I wish you the same in the rest of your year. I wish you a happy new year, and I look forward to reconnecting. And uh, thank you again,
0: man. Let me know when this comes out. I'll I'll let people uh I'll let people know about it. Absolutely, I will keep in touch, and I will let you know once this is ready to go. So all the best. Likewise, right back at you, Michael. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. been listening to the drummers pathway podcast please share and subscribe to get the word out and let's keep the discussion going thanks for listening and i'll see you next time